Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by Una, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Jaime Gracia. Jaime is the Director of Strategic Enterprise Programs for the U.S. Department of State, and he has over 20 years worth of experience in procurement. One of the efforts he is currently leading is the Acquisition Experience Program, something I think everybody listening into this episode is going to want to hear more about. So, hi, Jaime. Thank you so much for being with me today. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Now, I shared very, very high level. I have to tell you, you're my first State Department employee on the podcast, so that's right. very exciting. <laughs> but what else should people know about your professional journey to this point? Um, so I have a very uh, interesting background. I, I always laugh because in my profession in government contracting, uh, usually it is people uh, spend a good amount of time in the federal government, 20, 30 years and then go into the private sector. Uh, I, I'm doing it effectively in reverse. So <laughs> I, I have um, spent most of my career in the private sector in this field, um, but I, I had my own small business. It was a veteran-owned small business. We were very successful uh, over the time that we had uh, doing kind of the work that I'm doing now, and we'll talk about that. But uh, I just got to the point where I just wanted to uh, kind of get my hands on the wheel and really affect government management and change uh, from the inside. So that's when I made the transition to actual federal leadership. Uh, I started off at Department of Homeland Security uh, with the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA. And certainly uh, for your listeners, uh, if they're not familiar with uh, federal programs, uh, learning the acronyms is, is step one. Uh, so <laughs> I, I always try to spell out the acronyms because it's very easy to speak in acronyms in our profession. Uh, so I was at the Department of Homeland Security, DHS, uh, and then I went over to uh, Treasury, uh, specifically the Internal Revenue Service, IRS, uh, where we were doing some really interesting programs uh, with automation and using artificial intelligence and robotic process automation to automate a lot of the procurement processes, in addition to help stand up uh, effectively a customer experience program uh, through liaisoning between programs and contracting uh, who often uh, don't speak the same language. Mm -hmm. uh, so as an opportunity to help bridge that gap uh, and really provide better uh, procurement packages and really drive better outcomes. And then uh, I came over to the Department of State in a really interesting opportunity uh, to really leverage a lot of that previous experience to help drive change uh, and really help affect the mission of procurement at the department. So uh, I'm in a really interesting position that has uh, many hats that we'll talk about. Um, but yeah, things are moving forward and we're really excited about all the transformation and the things that we're doing to really affect the department's mission of global uh, diplomacy across the globe. Well, you certainly do bring an extremely relevant background to this. I think for a lot of procurement professionals, truthfully, whether they happen to be in the public sector or the private sector, 
this notion of experience and deliberately creating or investing in a specific type of experience is somewhat new. We've started talking about it maybe 18 months, two years ago, got used to the idea. We you know, maybe have gotten some feedback. Now we're thinking about what steps can we take? So I think your journey to this point is incredibly relevant to this because we're going to get to learn from some of what you've already done. And when you and I spoke previously, you were talking about the operational paradigm shift that you're leading through this acquisition experience project. Can you start us off by telling us a little bit more about that? Uh, Sure. So uh, I just want to give a little bit of background uh, of effectively acquisition experience and what that entails in that framework. Um, So I think the term customer experience is certainly uh, more standard. Uh, And that's looking at the entire journey of a customer's interaction with your business, uh, top to bottom, basically. And what we're trying to do is condense that down to our operational mission of contracting at the Department of State uh, to to rephrase customer experience through that lens of procurement and thus the acquisition experience. So we've created a framework across four different boundaries, people, process, technology, and culture. And we're finding ways to really help transform the Office of Procurement Executive where we are, uh, again, to really drive the difference in how we are doing operational contracting and how we service our customers and who those customers are. And that's really how we are changing that paradigm, because traditionally, uh, certainly uh, across the federal government, uh, you can say with some certitude of uh, this is how it works most often, uh, sadly, is that the business owner, the requirements office uh, has a need, and then they spend a lot of time creating documents, uh, statements of work, uh, budgets, etc. That gets thrown over the fence, the contracting, usually with that any good communications without really any advanced planning, uh, sometimes uh, end of year. And here we are in the fourth quarter of the fiscal year. So it's our busy time of year. Um, So there is a a lot of things that could have been done prior uh, that aren't done, but of course, because of expediency and the need to get things on contract quickly, uh, that's where you see quality fail. And that's where you see poor outcomes at the end of the day in, in the need to perform the mission. Uh, and that's and that's very standard format for most government agencies. Uh, what we're trying to do at the Department of State is change that paradigm so that we lower those barriers to communication, have more effective planning, and then, of course, now understand what our customers trying to achieve so we can help drive that mission together. Uh, and that's really the change in that paradigm because oftentimes uh, there's there's that wall between the business owner and contracting. We want to lower that wall and eliminate it, frankly, because mm-hmm. what we're trying to do is do better planning, right? That You'll hear the term acquisition planning, uh, and that's really uh, the foundation for effective outcomes. And if it's not done well, then what really suffers is poorly developed requirements. And that's what we are trying to really hone in on to change. And one of my roles uh, as director of strategic enterprise programs is not only innovation advocate for the department, but also industry liaison. Uh, And that's a huge paradigm shift for the department because we traditionally 
don't have the best vendor management strategies or really engagement strategies with our industrial base. Uh, and that's why we wanted to stand up a strong industry liaison program to have that somewhat uh, that ombudsman role between industry and the State Department so we can drive better relationships. We can in- introduce new capabilities and new innovations to the department and also help drive competition. Uh, that is always something that's overlooked in a lot of the operations across government. And certainly State Department is no, is no different there. Um, but the better relationships we have with industry, the, be- the better thought leadership we can provide not to ourselves and from industry, but really transferring that knowledge is critical because for technology, for a lot of R&D programs, a lot of that information and the knowledge is with industry. So it's incumbent on us to do that type of market research, have those communications with industry, and just find different opportunities for engagement and transferring that knowledge, frankly, so yeah. that we can better understand what it is that we're trying to buy, how we're trying to buy it, and again, really develop good outcomes, right? that That's my focus in my role is to stop thinking so much about you know writing a 100-page uh, requisition document and really think about what it is that you're trying to accomplish, right? What is that outcome? And through that paradigm shift, we can now do quite a few things by uh, taking a look at different stakeholders, not only internally, but externally, right? We can now match up that capability to what's available and drive better competition, drive better cost avoidance, uh, have better outcomes, and really perform the mission, right, through better metrics and through better monitoring governance. So it's all a life cycle journey that we're trying to do, and that's very radical uh, for what is currently happening in the government, but something that we're really trying to change to our acquisition experience program. Now, one of the things that you mentioned that I actually want to cycle back and dig into a little bit, you talked about the the feeding frenzy that can happen at the end of the, the budget year. I think this is something that everyone in procurement has experienced. If the way we've already talked about it doesn't sound familiar, this phrase might help. Oh my gosh, I'm almost out of time and I'm going to lose my budget. That's if you have a stakeholder saying that to you, you are in the feeding frenzy. So it naturally stretches your resources because you have what was planned to occur during that time. But then you have sort of this panic scramble at the edge of the cycle. How are you working to address, I guess, the tendencies that lead to that while being realistic about what your team can do and also preserving this idea of an improved experience? Yeah, I mean, if I if I could wave a magic wand, I would get proper budgeting by Congress. I, I would get proper budgeting cycles to the Office of Management and Budget. Uh, there's a lot of things that I would do, but regretfully, I don't have that magic wand. Um, so we'll, we'll have to really do the best that we can internally. Um, but that really goes towards the types of uh, planning and the types of engagements that we're going to be executing, uh, certainly now and the years ahead. Uh, so one of our one of our initiatives that we have is called our procurement planning conference, and that's really sitting down with our customer at the beginning of the fiscal year and taking a look at their portfolio, their budget, their mission, and their vision for their outcomes for that fiscal year. Um, because uh, as I mentioned, uh, oftentimes uh, budgeting is really one of the most challenging things that we're facing, and when that actual budget gets executed is almost sometimes in the air. So when the customer actually has the money in their hand, right, it it could be very late in the fourth quarter. 
Uh, so that's a very challenging problem. However, if we do better planning, if we have better communications with our customers, if we're if we're basically preparing ourselves, right? If we're doing all of the training, right? If we're doing all that weightlifting, like once we we hit the Olympics, then hopefully we'll win the gold, right? And that's what we're trying to do is right uh, an ounce of sweat, or excuse me, a gallon of uh, sweat prevents an ounce of blood, yes. and that's and that's kind of the uh, patent model that I want to really execute at the Department of State. Um, because through engagement, not only with our customers, but also with industry, right? If we're able to really have those good partnerships, then we will now develop good strategies for a need, right? Is this a real need? Because every, every organization has a proposed budget of what they intend to spend and what they intend to spend on. So if, if we really prioritize that budget, and now we can put a level of effort and resources against it, right? The theory is once the money comes, now we can execute. And that's what we're trying to do because at the end of the day, uh, our currency at the Department of State is data. And what we're doing right now with a lot of our data is understanding where our customers are spending, how they're spending it. And we're trying to take a look at the entire procurement landscape of data spend so that we can do not only better demand aggregation, but also demand forecasting. Real, that, that's where we want to be and where we need to be so that we can now automate some of these processes ahead of time. So for example, some of the category management principles that I'm putting into place are automating some of the contracts that are gonna be expiring anywhere from 12 to 18 months so that we can now start engagement early. We can provide critical information to the customers about ways that they have spent, which may not have been in their best interest or the departments, um, if there are outcome issues that need to be addressed, really trying to change that and really trying to find different ways of executing that specific need. If you're just going to exercise an option, okay, that's fine. Um, but perhaps that's not the best thing to do. Perhaps performance yeah. is lacking. Perhaps there's cost overruns that need to be addressed. Perhaps there's opportunities now to compete a certain requirement because oftentimes, certainly this end of year, uh, we, we give ourselves what I like to call a stay of execution, right? We'll, <laughs> we'll do a bridge contract or, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do a sole source um, just because we, we have to get across the finish line and we just haven't given ourselves an opportunity for planning. And again, the federal acquisition regulation is quite clear that uh, a sole source contract uh, is not valid due to the lack of planning. I mean, that's right in the federal acquisition regulation, but oftentimes we get into these traps and we have to perform the mission. So it, it, it is that acquisition planning that I think is the absolute backbone of improving outcomes with our customers and how to get out of this trap because we find ourselves every year in the same trap and we have to get out of it. And we're really excited about some of the engagement programs that we're doing, uh, not only through our uh, operational uh, uh, acquisition organization, AQM, also acquisition management, but also through some of the programs that I hope to put in place in industry liaison and through category management. So we can have effectively a 360 view of, uh, of a need and a requirement and our portfolio. Uh, so we can have much better engagement and strategies with not only our customers, but our external stakeholders, industry, uh, and really marry the two together and really provide better ways to write requirements, to understand needs, to understand the capabilities and the solutions that are out there that can really drive effective mission outcomes. At the end of the day, that's what it's about. And that's what we're doing at the Department of State. 
Now, you mentioned regulations, and I'm curious about this because many of the people, at least on the procurement side of our audience that are listening in, have been through some part of a procurement transformation. In some cases, they may have been through a couple at different companies or a similar at the same company that's kind of going around the wheel again. But in most cases, with the exception of being in financial services or potentially having an ESG program that is subject to some type of federal regulation, that feels like an extra layer of complexity that you're dealing with as you try to remove the friction from some of these processes. How much of your time do you spend you know, understanding how the regulations play into what you can and cannot change? Um, or is it truthfully not that big of a deal once you actually get down into the details of the procurement process itself? Oh, it, it's a big deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> federal federal government, as you can imagine, is this uh, very large bureaucratic machine. And certainly the procurement process is no different. Um, we obviously have the federal acquisition regulation we have to follow. We have our, inter- our own internal supplement to that. Um, there's guidance and policy from OMB, the Office of Federal Procurement Policy, which is a subset of the Office of Management and Budget, another, uh, an organization under it. Uh, executive orders are also very critical, uh, certainly when it comes to uh, new ones, such as a renewed focus on cybersecurity, uh, renewed focus on operational efficiencies and operational ex- uh, excellence when it comes to government management. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, customer experience, so that's also uh, part of the presidential management agenda. And of course, uh, different ones uh, which now add more complexity through climate resilience, uh, trying to eliminate our carbon footprint across the department and across the federal government, and also uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and access, DEIA goals, which now go into our small business goals, but expand them uh, in some ways uh, quite significantly. Um, so that that's just a taste of all of the uh, externalities, if you will, that go into the federal procurement process. So there's a lot there. Um, And it creates uh, a very complex network of rules and a rule-based system. And that's where we're going to find a lot of the delays often in federal procurement, because it's a very rules-based initiative and uh, a mission, of course. Um, But there's ways to kind of break that silo um, in using the regulations that you have. Um, very successful program at my last agency at the Internal Revenue Service was the Pilot IRS program, which uses the inherent flexibilities of the federal acquisition regulation to streamline buying and, and really buy like a uh, angel investor. And you're seeing contracts being put in place within 30 days, uh, and a vast majority of those contracts are to Uh, non-traditional companies, those firms that do not have federal business, have no footprint, but nonetheless have very innovative technologies that we want to prototype and actually now scale into our operations. So that's just one example. Certainly the Mm -hmm. Department of Homeland Security Procurement Innovation Lab is set up on a federal model. Certainly they started at DHS, um, but their model is such where other agencies can mimic a lot of the great work that they do on different techniques and different ways to use the regulations to your benefit, streamline things and get things under contract in compliance, but much, much faster. And that's very relevant for an agency like us, 
because uh, we don't have a lot of the flexibilities that other agencies have. For example, there's mechanisms to buy such as other transaction authority, commercial solutions opening. Uh, We don't have the uh, opportunities to do more direct work with the federally funded research and development center, uh, which does a lot of the uh, inherently governmental functions that can help us be more streamlined and do better uh, government management and better procurement. Um, so we have to be very creative in how we do that. And, and that's and that's where I, I'm trying to do in my portfolio is not only institute better methodologies, such as the DHS uh, Procurement Innovation Lab, the PIL model, but also find ways to innovate our processes through automation, through artificial intelligence, through robotic process automation, and really hone in on the presidential management agenda uh, initiative of low to high value work. And that's very relevant for our contracting workforce because at the Department of State, uh, we've got a a skeleton crew, if you will, compared to the amount of transaction you you have uh, for the department. So we are understaffed uh, and they do yeoman's work. I mean, one of the most uh, dedicated professional uh, procurement workforces I've had the honor of working with in my time in government going on 25 years now. Uh, And I'm finding ways to use these emerging technologies as a force multiplier and really help some of the work. Um, But to do that, we got to take a step back and really take a look at the landscape, what makes sense for us, uh, where we can find low hanging fruit and implement these solutions quickly, efficiently, uh, and then find ways to, of course, scale them. Um, So there's many opportunities across the board that we're looking at to help uh, automate some of the regulations, if you will, Uh, really about standardizing contracts, really doing industry best practices, because at the end of the day, right, it's all dependent on the contracting officer. And that that's a lot of that's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot of pressure to put on this workforce and the contracting officer. uh, The 1102 series in government uh, is one of the most challenging because of this framework for its operational model. So uh, I'm looking at ways to streamline it automate it and help the contracting officer do their jobs more efficiently and hopefully find ways to, again, take low to high value work and take time out of their day to eliminate it, right? So they can focus on servicing their customers, right? Doing all that planning, doing the outreach uh, and being business advisors, which is really where we want our workforce to be. So these are some of the programs we're working on now and we'll continue to scale Uh, and really hopefully be a shining example for federal government on how transformative change can happen in its procurement operations. That's certainly one of my many goals at the department. And when you think about that transformative change, you've talked about emerging technologies, you've talked about process, you've talked about sitting down and communicating with different customers, stakeholder groups. When you think through all of the changes that you've made, where would you say you got the biggest bang for your buck in terms of how it actually impacted that customer experience? Well, I think our procurement planning conferences are going to be the real major one um, because uh, we're launching that program at the start of next fiscal year. uh, And we're really putting in place a, a strong service level agreement. So we're, we're really treating this as a business opportunity because we want to ensure that we level set with our customers the level of 
operational excellence that they deserve and expect and how we're going to execute. So this program will really help us understand our customers better. It will help us understand their portfolios better. And I think it will also help the customers understand their own operational needs better and help, again, prioritize what those needs are. Because we certainly have tools in place now that are extremely helpful and impacting us on how we look at the health of our procurement organization, especially this time of year in the fourth quarter. So we've got a great team uh, that does our our data. uh, And what they're doing is putting together a lot of visualizations and dashboards and just uh, really taking data to help drive decision-making so that we can take a look again at the portfolio from where the requisitions are, where they're coming from, their complexity, match workload to resourcing. Uh, so, and taking a look at uh, where, where the danger zones are, uh, what is the status of items? And one, one item that I'm putting together uh, this quarter that I'm really excited about, uh, I'm calling it the, uh, the, the way that I vision it is the Domino's Pizza Tracker. So, uh, you know, <laughs> order placed, you know, o- orders uh, received, orders being created, right? The orders after delivery. Oh, yes. And I have right? teenagers. I can picture it in my mind Exactly, now. <laughs> right? So I, I mentioned that just because everybody can relate to it. Well, that's what we want to provide mm-hmm. for our customers so that they don't have to pick up the phone or send an email to their contracting officers like, hey, what's the status of my stuff? Uh, you, you'll have that ability to see it now, where it is in the process, right? We're going to put metrics around it and really have valuable information to about self-service, sure. Uh, but again, it's very valuable information so that you can quickly gain knowledge about status and eliminate the emails and eliminate the phone calls and improve that customer engagement and again, that acquisition experience. So that'll be in place this fall. Um, that's going to feed into uh, another exciting tool uh, that we're doing uh, externally for industry, which is our procurement forecasting tool. Uh, we're going to digitize our procurement forecast, and we're really going to provide a valuable source of information about opportunities at the Department of State so that companies can create pipelines so they can do more effective business development and have better opportunities for engagement with the department and then automate some of these processes using artificial intelligence to again provide more valuable data faster more efficiently and again really drive acquisition experience so those are the kind of big three that i talk about and the things that uh, we're doing now and putting in place uh, within the next six months on how we're really going to transform our operations to really be aggressive and lean forward in change management for procurement across the department. So we're, we're really excited about it. Uh, we've got some great partners on board, both internally and externally to do these things. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, there's, I think, a lot of great information and initiatives that are going to be happening, and we're really looking forward to the results because they're going to be transformative. It certainly sounds exciting. And, and I'll tell you, Jaime, as I'm listening to you talk, I think this is the very first time in my whole life I've actually found myself thinking positively this is my tax dollars at work. You've totally restored my confidence in, <laughs> in what the federal government is, is doing with money. You're doing some incredibly impressive things, despite the challenges of, of regulation and, and constant changes. And so as we start to wind down our time, I want to bring you into a tradition that's a part of the process here at The Sourcing Hero. And that's to give you an option. So everyone that joins me gets to answer their choice of these two questions. 
The first one is, what does the idea of a sourcing hero mean to you? And the second, if you'd like to take it a little bit more broadly, and we'll even broaden it slightly more than we typically do, because we're going to take it out of a business context, but what does heroism mean to you in the sense of your professional life? So those are your your two choices for our, our parting question. Uh, well, the way, the way that I look at sourcing here, and I appreciate the question, and I, and I like the segment, <laughs> is um, it kind of taking service delivery to a different level, right? We talked about like the paradigm shift. So we often, uh, you know, in our lives, we'll, we'll interact with some company or some uh, service, and then we'll get a feedback. Hey, how is my service? Uh, so we rate it, and then it goes into some black hole, and, and presumably they do something with it. Um, <laughs> I, I want to change that and really focus on like, well, what is a hero to me, which is what, what can I do better for you? Uh, not not how's my service, but what can I do better for you? A- and really start that engagement, not in a negative, of course, but asking that question, I think, is important because it really helps level set what excellence and service delivery is. And, and that's what we do in the acquisition profession is provide a service. So I want to know how can I do my job better for you? How can I improve my communications, right? How do you operate? What's in your best interest? That's a hero to me because that level of proactivity and that level of thinking is acquisition experience 101. And we, when we first started this journey, uh, really, we were thinking, you know, how can we improve service delivery from a procurement model? And sometimes the answer is very basic. Answer my email answer my phone call, yes. <laughs> right? Yes. I mean, if, if for those that uh, that can relate to that, right, it's very challenging, especially uh, for small businesses or even companies that don't have a federal footprint but are trying to get their foot in the door, is uh, who do I talk to? Uh, you know, my emails don't get returned. I, I can't get any phone. I can't get any FaceTime, certainly in this kind of hybrid COVID world that we're in now and more than likely will stay in. Uh, so h- how does that work? And that's what we're trying to change. And I've mentioned a lot of the programs and initiatives we're doing that. Um, But that's kind of the sourcing hero for me is when I see these excellent emails from our customers saying, hey, I have received incredible service from such and such uh, because they they did all these things that I'm talking about. They were very proactive um, they were always mission focused. They were always looking to help us succeed. Uh, they always gave us great advice. Um, they they gave us honest advice. That's another important thing because oftentimes we get into a trap of telling our customers what they want to hear as opposed to what they need to hear. That's a tough right? one. And that's yeah. a very difficult one because we all want to achieve a mission, but sometimes we do have to say no, whether it be for regulatory stances or sometimes even political stances, right? Things that we have to take into account. Um, so that that's also part of the sourcing hero journey is understanding the landscape and the environment that you work in to provide that level of business advisory service. Uh, so when I get these emails, it's just great to see, right? I, I forward them not only to the individual, of course, but the individual's manager, the manager's manager, right? I, I want to spread the word Right, put it in our uh, monthly newsletter uh, to to help morale, help motivate people, 
and say, hey, here's what excellence looks like. And this is what we want you all to be. And also, more importantly, how do we help you get there? What resources do you need? What knowledge do you need, right? What what equipment do you need? What, how can we help you be an excellent professional, right? The sourcing hero. And that's part of our journey uh, in the Office of Procurement Executive at the State Department. And that is the type of organization that we're driving towards uh, now and in the years ahead. Well, this has been an absolutely fascinating look inside procurement at the federal level. And I'm so grateful that you were willing to join me and share your story and your vision with everybody that listens in. If people have joined us for this session and would like to get in touch with you, follow you, what is the best way for them to connect? Uh, probably LinkedIn. Uh, I'm very active there, uh, certainly personally. Uh, the uh, As industry liaison, we do have a LinkedIn page, the U.S. Department of State Industry Liaison, uh, where we'll be, uh, very, we are very active. And as we continue to mature uh, that program, uh, we will be much more active, really bringing a holistic view of everything across the department. Uh, hopefully we'll put more opportunities up there, uh, more news, uh, more articles, all things that are relevant to industry. Uh, I always ask industry, uh, please use my email uh, any way you want, right? Uh, I, I always ask for feedback. And actually, I had an industry uh, listening session yesterday with the same message to industry, which is, I, I need your feedback. I, I need to create programs that matter to you. I need to provide knowledge that you want and need. And I need to really understand, again, how I can help you and help my job do better. So I am trying to practice what I preach uh, in my messaging to be a sourcing hero. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do, uh, but nonetheless, right, that is also part of the paradigm shift of like, we we want to really be transparent and we want to have more effective and disciplined types of relationships with our supplier base. We want to diversify that supplier base. We want to increase competition. We want to do a lot of the things that the Department of State doesn't normally have a good reputation on, frankly. Um, so that's all what we're doing. The Industry Liaison page is a great way to do and interact with us. But of course, uh, if you'd rather just send me an instant message, please do so. Uh, and also uh, send me an email. Happy to respond. Uh, you know, I, I, I try to respond to all the emails within 24 to 48 hours. So I do have that caveat. Uh, but again, uh, the caveat is all your emails will get responded to uh, as soon as we can, because, we, again, we want to try to provide uh, the information that industry is looking for. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for The Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.